Scripture reading this evening is Mark 9, verse 14 to 29. Mark 9, verse 14 to 29. This is the word of God. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it sees him, it throws and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately the, it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus rebuked, the unclean spirit. Oh, sorry. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit and saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse. So then most of them said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. One of the ironical facts in Christian life is that we often call us believers, but still, in our life, there is unbelief. But thankfully, the reality of our unbelief is not only our problem. It seems like there was the problem of the disciples of Jesus. In chapter 8, the apostle Peter makes a wonderful confession of our Savior. When Jesus asked, uh, what do you call me? And Peter said, you are the Christ. And Jesus was amazed and explained that what that means. And right away, Peter rebuked Jesus because Peter could not believe what Jesus said. He failed to believe Jesus. And in chapter 14, Jesus foretells again about what is going to happen for the disciples. He said, you will all fall away. And Peter again 
Even though they all fall away, I will not. And we know when Jesus was crucified, Peter denied Jesus three times. He trusted himself himself more than Jesus. He failed to believe. Brothers and sisters, how about your Christian life? How often do we fail to believe? What about this moment, Sabbath keeping? I don't know what is in your mind right now, but if the worldly entertainment or business comes into your mind, is it easy to keep your Sabbath fully in a godly way from the morning to the evening? In a sense, it is really hard to do that because we often fail to believe Jesus Christ and always think about the worldly business, even on the Lord's Day. If you are in the anxiety, anxious situation, and we often pray because in our heart there is an uncomfortable feeling and nerve. So we pray and even we say, Lord, I believe. And you open your eyes. Are you comfortable? Are you peaceful? No, because we fail to believe again. Congregation, from our text, I would like to show you, in spite of our failure to believe, Christ helps us to have faith and to exercise it. There are three points. In spite of our failure, Christ helps us to have faith and exercise it. So from verse 14 to 19, is about failure to believe. So our text began um, next to the uh, next scene of the transfiguration. So from the mountain, our Lord Jesus Christ showed his majesty, his deity as the Son of God. And with, there was three disciples, there were three disciples, Peter and James and John. And after this glorious moment, three disciples and Jesus came down to the bottom of the mountain. And then when they uh, began to get closer, they could see that something happened uh, for the rest of nine disciples. And Jesus asked a scribe, what are you arguing about with them? And the father came from the crowd and said, I brought my son to you. And we know that because Jesus was in the mountain, so that's why he couldn't find Jesus. So that's, that drive the father to find the disciples of Jesus and ask them to cast out demon. And the father said, but they were not able. And Jesus answered back to them like this, O faithless generation, it is a personal and emotional response. Why? Because Jesus grieved over unbelief. Jesus is God. He knows every situation. And then there are, we could say there are a father and scribes and the rest of crowd. But we could see all of them fail to believe. Like scribes, they were the master of the law. And in our time, there are theologians. But they are supposed to believe Jesus, but rather they persecuted him. And the crowd, they don't care about Jesus. 
and they are just interested in Jesus' work. Later, when you see Jesus try to heal the boy, the crowd ran to him because they want to see the miracle. But what about the father? In fact, when the father said, your disciples were not able, the Greek term were not able, literally, it could mean your disciples are not strong. That means Jesus' disciples are weak, but the demon in his boy is too strong. So the father doubt about our Lord. And then Jesus' lamentation is heightened. How long am I to be with you? And how long am I to bear with you? Our Lord is God. And throughout the entire history of Old Testament, he continued to call people, his people, to repentance. And even he sent John the Baptist and he himself came. But his people continued to fail to believe him. Brothers and sisters, when the father said, your disciples are not strong enough, it sounds like father is arguing and of saying that it is a matter of power, like power between demon and uh, Jesus' disciples. But in fact, it is a matter of fear of God. As we saw in this morning, our Lord, he has supreme authority. If he command at once, even demons obey him. But Father was lack of fear. Hebrews 11, 6 says, Whoever would draw near to him, God must believe that. Oh, yeah, whoever would draw near to God must believe that God exists. And Ecclesiastes 5 says, When we draw near to God, we must fear God. But when we often ask help to the Lord, do we always have fear of God? Don't we sometimes ask the Lord like we ask a help to my uncle or aunt? Brothers and sisters, we draw near to God, who is the creator. We creatures ask a petition to him, to the almighty, the absolute one. So father was let of that fear. But on the other hand, Jesus' perseverance also teaches us how to bear our neighbors, especially our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Probably some of you uh, have so-called like trouble Christians, probably that could be like troublemaker. I mean, that could be um, your friends or that could be your family. You always are uh, concerned about them and care about them. But when we heard that, like, let's say, oh, you know what? David made that problem again. And how it is easy to consider that Oh, you know, that's David. What do you expect? In other words, how it is easy to give up 
our brothers and sisters. How it is convenient to just cut off them in our mind and not care. Our indifference of our neighbors and especially our brothers and sisters. It is an expression of hatred because we do not care about them, because we do not love them. If you are tired today of your of bearing uh, someone's burden or someone's sin, look to Jesus Christ. Why do you think that our Lord say, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? Why did he suffer and lament? Is it because he wanted, uh, is it because does he want to give them up? Oh, I'm tired enough. Just, I'm done. No, because our Lord cannot give them up. He had to hold them strongly. That's why he pleaded, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? Patience is an active holding fast. It is not a passive action. And even Paul said love is patient. Brothers and sisters, do you have so-called troublemakers in your Christian uh, brothers and sisters? To be with them, to bear with them. Our Lord bore with us first then how much more do we need to follow his example? So in spite of the father's failure with perseverance, our Lord began to help him to have faith. Now we move on to the second point, have faith in Christ. So verse 20, Jesus called up, uh, Jesus said that bring him to him. And then the people brought the boy to him. And then this boy make a, a strong response. And Jesus asked this question. How long has this been happening to him? It seems this question uh, is nothing. But it's a really uh, profound question. Because it is the same kind of question that after Adam uh, fall into uh sin and then when he hid the Lord God asked him where are you God knows where he is and Jesus knows how long the boy suffered but he asked because Jesus wants the father to reflect his heart so the father could have say just from childhood but and then he described what how the past last few years was so terrible and horrible. And then eventually he asked, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. But still, there was an unbelief. Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. So from father's response, father's uh, plea, we could see some lessons of our faith. Negatively say first, our sincerity does not always guarantee faith. Father was sincere. Even Matthew 17 says he kneeled before Jesus and begged. He was urgent. But even in 
the most extreme situation of urgency and sincerity. The father did not believe Jesus. He begged urgently, but still did not believe. Sincerity does not always assure our faith because our faith is not based on our feeling. It is based on the knowledge of God. Then secondly, then what do we, what do we need to believe then? Augustine's saying is really helpful here. He said, quote, Faith is to believe what you do not see. The reward of this faith is to see what you believe. Again, faith is to believe what you do not see. The reward of the faith is to see what you believe. The father saw Jesus. In a sense, he believed as a savior. So that's why he brought the boy to him. But he did not believe. What does he not see? What Jesus will do. James 2, James chapter 2 even says, Demons believe God exists. That means a biblical definition of faith is not something about a mere belief of God's existence. We need to believe more than that. That's why Hebrews 11, 6, which we read, it says, whoever draw near to God not only believe God's existence, but also believe, must believe that God rewards those who seek him. So the father had to believe that Jesus will heal his son. Surely our faith is the conviction of things which we do not see. But when the father believed in Jesus, the reward was to see what he believed. But before moving on to the next point, I have to ask you this series of questions, my friends. Do you believe what you do not see? Do you believe what the Bible promised and foretells? Do you believe Jesus' incarnation and his death and his resurrection and ascension? Yes, it is the basic stuff. But if we do not believe what had happened, how can we believe what's going to be happening in the future? Then what about final judgment? What about on the last day? Do you believe Jesus Christ will come again and judge the living and the dead? And do you also believe Jesus Christ will be your advocate? He will vindicate you with his righteousness and he will say he is mine. What about resurrection? Do you believe that we will have a spiritual body like Jesus had without any infirmity, without any sickness, any suffering? A perfect body. And with that body, we will see the face of our Lord. We will enjoy eternal life. Do you believe that? If you believe, the reward of your faith is to see what you believe. And here, Christ's response to the Father becomes make us more confident. Christ, 
after father believed Christ's healing and Christ cast out the demon. And even uh, he said that, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. What a trustworthy savior. He commanded never touch the son, you unclean spirit. This is your savior. Brothers and sisters, let us praise the Lord who responds, who rewards our faith. That is our God and that is our Savior. And He even helps us to have faith in Him and in the next point, to teach us how to exercise the faith. So uh, the last two verses mark dramatically change the sin. So the failure of the disciples failed to cast out demons. So when they enter into the house, disciples ask Jesus privately, saying, why could we not uh, cast it out? But we need to understand our disciples' mentality more. When, uh, it is out of our text, but after our text from verse 30 to 32, Jesus Christ foretells his death and resurrection, and 33 and 34, they are arguing about who is the greatest. And 38, look at this verse. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. Can you see the attitude of disciples? They were proud of themselves. They already had uh, had an experience to cast out demon before, and they were uh, proud of their title, which is disciples of Jesus Christ. So that's why when the Father came to the disciples and asked them to cast out demon, disciples didn't need to pray. They didn't need to trust the Lord because of their experience and their own confidence. They try to cast out demon and completely fail. So verse 29, the reason why our Lord taught the prayer to the disciples is that our prayer requires of us total dependence on God and complete humility of ourselves. When we pray, First, we say, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father. We acknowledge our Father, our God as the Creator, and we acknowledge and even we confess we are creatures, O Lord. Thus, prayerful life is a life to depend on God consciously and voluntarily. That's why through the means of Grace, which is our prayer in this context, Jesus taught how to exercise our faith. Calvin, in terms of our prayerful life, Calvin said this, Prayerless is not only foolishness, but also idolatry. Living prayerless life is a life as we as if there is no God, because we do not care about God at all. Like the disciples 
we think we could do something, even a smallest, the smallest thing. Why do we uh, pray before we have dinner or meal? It is our voluntarily and consciously conscious um, dependence on God, and it is an act of faith. And John Knox even said that when we receive God's blessing, here God's blessing contains not only spiritual things, but also physical things. When we receive God's blessing, if we do not give thanks through prayer, basically we slap God's face. Can you see the necessity of prayerful life? God gave us prayer so that we live in dependence on Him, so that we continue to exercise, practice our faith in Him alone. <clears throat> then secondly, then what do we need to pray? It is an important question. We must fill our prayer with Scripture. The Word of God shapes our prayer. But it does not mean that in our prayer, we merely uh, re- recite the word of God exactly, but we can use the teaching and principles in the Bible by good and necessary consequence. So we freely, according to God's word, ask our uh, lift up our desire to the Lord. That means when Jesus said, "All things are possible for one who believes." automatically rules out lustful and sinful prayer because those prayers are contrary to the word of God. Then lastly, lastly, do you believe what you pray? It sounds very easy and maybe you think, yeah, of course, like why not? But the more think about our heart and the moment in our prayer, we realize that it is not easy to believe what we pray. For example, what about your uh, mortification of sin? You struggle with sin and you commit a sin. Nobody knows and you know. And sometimes when you continue to fail to mortify the sin, you even think, if I ask forgiveness, can God or does God forgive my sin? What about your unbelieving family or friends? Probably you prayed so many times for years. But it seems like God does not answer your prayer. It seems like there's no change in that person. And even we could think, is it okay to continue to pray? Do we need to pray for him or her? Where is our confidence to pray? Our confidence in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why we pray at the end. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Our prayer, our faith are not perfect. But Jesus' prayer is perfect. He is the God-man. And he is the, he's even the greatest high priest. He makes an intercession for us. When we pray, when we lift up our petition to the Lord, 
Jesus Christ cleanses, sanctifies our prayer and delivers it to God the Father. In Christ, our faith is perfect. But a confidence. And at the end, we pray, uh, we end our prayer, Amen. Westminster Shorter Catechism, the last question and answer concerning the conclusion of Lord's Prayer, uh, teaches us like this. <clears throat> we take our encouragement in our prayer and in testimony of our desire and assurance, assurance to be heard, we say, Amen. What a sweet word. Do we, in our prayer, do we have assurance to be heard? When we pray in Jesus' name, do we believe what we pray? This evening, we have seen Christ's help for us in our time of failure. Christ encourages us to persevere, leads us to see uh, what we believed, and teaches us how to exercise our faith. Although we know and we heard many God's uh, Christ's provision for our uh, failure, but also we know that after this preaching, we are going to fail to believe Christ again. Not because Christ's Christ provision uh, is not perfect, but because of our weakness, sinful nature, and lack of watchfulness. But when you are in the failure and when you are frustrated, remember this truth. God does not ask us a perfect faith. God asks us faith in Christ. That means our weakest faith could save us. By our weak faith in Christ, we are united to Christ and we will receive all the spiritual blessings which Jesus earned in his perfect faith. Hope is in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. By faith in Christ, we will see what we believe. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, what a glorious name. What a blessing that we could draw near to the Creator, the Almighty, and lift up our voice. In Christ Jesus, even our imperfect uh, prayer because uh, became becomes perfect. What a high priest work. What a savior, what a mediator we have. Truly, the Lord Jesus Christ is the only mediator between God and man. Oh Lord, we thank you for this means of grace. We thank you for this truth. Lord God, we pray for... Um, those who struggle uh, with unbelief. Oh Lord, if 
uh, in our congregation and uh, those who listen to this preaching, if they struggle with their faith and their assurance of salvation, and they are frustrated and discouraged by their sin, oh Lord God, let us see, not by sight, but by faith. O Lord, let your word be the light to them. Open their eyes and to see what a Savior we have. Lord, help them to continue to walk. Help them to finish their race. Build them up by looking to Jesus, and by your grace, may they have the reward of their faith. In Jesus' precious name, confidently we pray. Amen.